In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. We began Epiphany at the day of Epiphany with the visit of the wise men to uh, the stable. And so God reveals himself to the wise men or to the Gentiles. He is uh, revealed now to the Gentile people at the beginning of the Epiphany. God continues to manifest himself, to reveal himself. And we see him reveal himself as Holy Trinity and the baptism of Jesus. He is revealed to those who are gathered for baptism by John. And uh, the Holy Trinity himself is revealed in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the waters of baptism. And now Jesus returns to those same waters, returns to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist reveals a new facet of who Jesus is by saying that he is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is a very important way for us to understand who Jesus is. There are many layers of understanding. We see him as the groom of the church. We see him as the shepherd. And we see him as the Lamb of God. And so these are many layers, one on top of another, that help us to understand who Jesus is and how we can be in fellowship with him. And so this idea of the Lamb of God is a very important one for us to clarify uh, because it's central to the whole of Christian doctrine and teaching. And to do that, we have to talk about sacrifice. We have to talk about what sacrifice means and what it is. And sometimes we confuse it with some pagan ideas of sacrifice. Pagan peoples all around the world since the beginning of time have practiced some kind of sacrifice. And quite often it's an animal or even a human being. And the pinnacle of that sacrifice is the death of the animal or of the person. Their death is the pinnacle. And the understanding there is that there is an angry God uh, that has to be appeased in its anger. And so this animal or person is put in place to take the anger away from this angry God or to appease it. And that is not at all the case of the sacrifice that's going on with the ancient uh, God of Israel, with our God. This is not what's happening in the sacrifice. Indeed, the, the killing of the animal is not even central to the sacrifice at all. And there are many other sacrifices. There's grain offerings and there's drink offerings. And these are also considered sacrifices. But while the death of the animal is not important, the use of their blood is. The use of the blood is sanctifying, it's purifying, which is very strange. Because all the rest of the scripture talks about blood as being... Um, uh, you know, uh, unclean, right? And that, it, and that we have to purify from the uncleanness of blood. And so there's lots of things about how to wash if you've touched blood or if you've dealt with your own blood or somebody else's and time that has to be spent away from preparing food or, uh, you know, going into public. And so the idea of coming into contact with blood is an idea of, of the profane. And yet here, the blood of the animal is used to not only to cleanse, but to sanctify. So the blood of the bulls and goats in ancient Israel is sprinkled on the temple and sprinkled on the horn of the altar to sanctify. That is to make holy the temple and the altar and to set it apart for the use of the Lord, which is a radical understanding of blood. So the death of the animal isn't important, but the use of their blood is in sanctifying. Again, there's nothing about the sins of the people putting, being put on the animal except for that of the scapegoat. If you remember in Leviticus, there's the understanding of a scapegoat where the sins of the people are put onto the animal. But that animal is let go. 
The sins of the animal are placed, the sins of the people are placed on the animal, and then the scapegoat is released. He's not killed. So this brings us to the place of understanding the central sacrifice of the nation of Israel, and that is of the Passover. The Passover is the central sacrifice, the central feast of the nation of Israel. It's one that is supposed to be repeated every year in memoriam, in practice, and that is practiced until this day. And we're going to practice it here this morning. We say every Sunday, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. We are keeping the feast of Passover every Sunday. So if anybody ever asks you, if you've been to a Seder, a Passover dinner, you can say, yes, yes every <laughs> Sunday we celebrate the Passover, the Seder dinner. Right? This is the central aspect of our common worship together. So what is the Passover feast? The Passover feast is the Lord bringing the nation of Israel out of sin and death, out of bondage, and bringing them into newness and life in the promised land, right? So he releases them from the bondage of sin and death, and he brings them into the promised land, into everlasting life. And to do that, they're supposed to sacrifice the Passover lamb and use its blood and its meat. Now, the killing of the lamb isn't even central to the to the whole uh, performance of this feast. It, it almost happens off stage. It's just a necessary on the way to the blood. Once the blood is collected, then the door of the home of the family or the clan is marked with a cross over the lintel and cross beam of the door. The sign of the cross is marked in blood on the house of the people so that they are then in fellowship with the God who will save them. Now is this so that the Lord will know which house to pass over? Is this because the Lord can't see which house are the Israelites and which aren't? No, that's ridiculous, right? Is this so that they remember? So they look on the outside of their door and say, Oh yeah, we're Israelites, not Egyptians. No. No, it's not about, it's not about this kind of understanding. It's about a, a miraculous holy sanctifying is setting apart by the mysterious blood of this lamb. They are marked and set apart for God, for fellowship with him. So that's the first thing is this blood sets them apart to be in fellowship with God. The second thing is the preparing of the animal itself. And you remember that none of the bones of the animal are broken. So there's no anger, there's no um, destruction of this animal. The animal is treated with uh, care. Right? And with delicacy. And no bone is broken. The meat is cooked. And it is eaten by the family for food as they move out of bondage of sin and death into everlasting life. And so we see two primary uses of the Passover lamb. Two primarily, primary performances. The sanctifying of the blood and the feeding of the meat. So now that we have this basic understanding, then we can ask, what does it mean that Jesus is the Passover lamb, that he is the lamb of God? John is seeing the use of this lamb. He is seeing what is going to be performed by Christ once and for all. 
for once and for all for him to lead the people of God out of sin and death into everlasting life. And Jesus is that pure Passover lamb. So first of all, what is the use? His blood. His blood is shed for us. And it's an everlasting fountain. His blood is an everlasting fountain that is always flowing and that we can always dip our fingers into. We can always dip our hearts into His blood. We can always receive the washing and the purifying of His blood so that we are set aside for the use of God to be a member of His holy nation so that we can be in fellowship with Him so that we can dwell and abide with Him. So that's the first thing is that we invite the blood of Christ onto us to wash us and to set us aside for Christ's own forever. We are marked by God. And that is a mystery that we participate in. The second is that we receive His flesh as food. Right? His flesh is food indeed and His blood is drink indeed. We receive His body as food to sustain us for the journey. We are on a journey. We are moving from bondage and sin into everlasting life. And we have to be strengthened for that journey. If we think that we can go on that journey without being sustained by God, we are seriously mistaken. We're naive to think that we can go on this journey without regular sustenance. We can barely go a week. We can't go a month. We have to be sustained by the blood of Christ, by His flesh, by His Holy Spirit to receive the strengthening that we need. And when He invites us in to that fellowship, this fellowship isn't one where He says, sit here and, and watch, but He invites us to participate with Him. When, when the disciples hear that He's the Lamb of God, they say, where are you going? Where are you staying? And He says, come and see. Come and see. He invites them to come with Him and to abide with Him and to participate in Him, and He puts them to work. He puts them to work. They have a role to play. They have a job to do in participating in the kingdom of God. They're not sitting on the sidelines. They're brought in. And it's dangerous work. Anybody that doesn't understand that is not reading the life of John the Baptist or any of the other disciples. They're brought into this dangerous work of proclaiming the mystery of Christ in a world that would see that and reject it with anger and with malice. And he renames them. Peter gets that new name. He had been Simon. He gets called the rock just the way that Jacob is renamed. Just the way that Abraham is renamed. He is reborn and he is renewed for the purpose of God. And so how this happens is explained for us in, in, in beauty and wonder by St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians. In his first letter to the Corinthians, in the very first chapter, he explains that we're being brought into fellowship. We're being brought into fellowship because God is faithful. So we're not in fellowship with God through His blood and His body because we're faithful, but because He is. And remember that this faith or faithfulness is is loyalty, right? When we say that somebody is faithful, we mean that they're loyal. We mean that they're enduring, that they're lasting, that the hardships and the difficulties of life are not going to break these bonds that we have. And it's not our faithfulness that we trust in, it's God's faithfulness. 
He is the one who is faithful. He is the one who is standing firm. He is the one that's standing by us amidst all difficulty. And he's doing that to bring us into fellowship with him. Fellowship is so important. Everything that we do in the church is about fellowship. It's about living together, which is hard. It's about dwelling together. And to do that, to do that, we have to have God's grace. We have to have his power. And we have to expect that we're going to be changed. He says, because of the grace of God, we're being enriched. To be enriched, to be strengthened, to be renewed, to be supported, to be made stronger in all speech and knowledge. That means that we're receiving the grace of God so that our speech, our speech and the way that we understand the world is changed. We are not people that trust in luck. We're not people that trust in happenstance. We're not people that look to coincidence. We're not people that criticize. We're not people that, that dissemble. We're not people that, that moan and, and, and complain. We are people that proclaim hope, that proclaim peace, that proclaim the providence of God, the plan of God, that He is at work in our lives, that He is in charge, that there are good things for us to do, that there are joyful things, that there are treasured things, that there are good things that we're supposed to be focused on, that we're supposed to be promoting, that we're supposed to be talking about, that we're supposed to be lifting up one another with, and we cannot do any of that without His grace, without being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of this grace is revealing to us and sustaining to us. It is strengthening to us. They ate the Passover standing up. If we had a beautiful church uh, with an altar, we'd probably kneel, which is okay to receive Holy Communion. But it's pretty cool that in this converted industrial space we have to stand. Because that's the way we receive the Passover. Because we're not receiving this body and blood of the Lord for our leisure. We are receiving it to be changed. To be transformed. To be strengthened. To be healed. That we may do all things through Christ. Through His blood. And His flesh. Amen. Amen.